What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of That's So Neat. I'm your host, Neetu, and today our neat topic is going to be the thoughts that immigrant children or children of immigrants have and want the rest of the Western world to kind of understand. So, without further ado, let's jump into it. So before jumping into today's episode, I want to give a quick disclaimer that this is an opinion-based episode and all the opinions, thoughts, and views expressed are my own and don't represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which I have been, am now, or will be affiliated with in the future. Um, These are my own opinions and I'm just hoping that you guys can find some of this information relatable and also for people who aren't South Asian or um, aren't born into an immigrant family, um, that you can have some sort of understanding of how certain things you may say or may have said in the past come across to people who are from immigrant families. One of the most common things I think I hear um, is that just because we all look the same doesn't mean that we are all the same. So just because we're from the same part of the world or the same region doesn't mean we practice the same beliefs. For example, my family came here from Punjab. So my parents immigrated here from Punjab and they practice Sikhism. And they're sick, and I'm sick, and that's the religion that I follow. However, not everybody from Punjab is sick. There's some people that come from Punjab that don't withhold sick values. Um, there's Hinduism, there's Islam, there's Christianity, there's Jainism, there's Buddhism. There's so many other denominations with Punjab. They may say that they're Punjabi, but that doesn't mean that they're sick. So again, like putting everybody under the same umbrella. And the other thing is... I remember as going to high school and stuff and the most, of course, like people will pick on you. It is what it is. This is kind of the world, sad world we live in. But they often would refer to me as a Paki. That doesn't even make sense because I'm actually, first of all, I was born and raised in Canada. So I don't even fit that umbrella, but I'm not from Pakistan. Not that that shouldn't matter, but all of us do look similar. But that doesn't mean that we all have the same denomination. We can look at the Asian community as well, whereas everybody just says, oh, you're Chinese. But they could actually be another descent. Just because to our naked eye, we all look the same doesn't mean that that's the truth. And um, that's one thing that I find uh, quite frequently is people will generalize that. Another thing I often find in my conversations with some of my friends who are out from the West or out here in Canada and born and raised here and don't come from immigrant families is they don't understand that why every decision I make, I base it on how it will impact my family. Family is a really big part of everything we do because even if we have a strong sense of self and know what we want we're so tight-knit with our family I actually had a friend who reached out to me um, after my last podcast and said I want to be a part of your family but I tried to google what aunt was in your language and I found there's like 50 names for different aunts which I want to do a podcast for because it's true every relationship uncles aunts cousins has a significant impact on our lives. They all hold a different value within our lives. So when we are making decisions, we know that it is our decision to make, but there will be an impact on our family um, because we're trying to navigate two worlds here, right? We're navigating our culture, which is again, very family oriented and very like, as I had talked about, like boundary setting doesn't exist. So we're navigating the sandwich generation. We're trying to 
have a sense of self, but we also know it is going to have somewhat of an impact on our family. And we have to also make sure that we're, we're aware of that. Um, even for example, like my cousin, quote unquote cousin that was on the podcast yet last week, He's not even technically my cousin. He's not related to me in any way in blood. However, growing up, I called his dad my uncle. So he in return is family. That's how crazy it is for us is that everybody is so close and connected. And we just, it's important to us. So it may not make sense to you, but it is something that holds high value. So when you question us for it, it's like you're questioning our sense of who we are as people and how we navigate our world. With that, we also hold this responsibility from our families because our family sacrificed a lot to come to immigrate here to Canada. They've given up everything. They give up everything they knew, their culture, their values. They came here without knowing the language to try to make it better for their kids, which is us, the first generation. So we have this constant pressure to make sure that their sacrifice is worth it. We go to school for that reason. We're hustling for that reason. We're working hard. And that's why we put so much emphasis on getting financial freedom or um, it just may be getting higher education or um, making sure that, you know, we have some sort of status, whatever it may be. But we're always making sure that our parents' sacrifice doesn't go undone. Like, there's a purpose for their sacrifice. And we're constantly reminded that too, right? Like, oh, we, or we came to Canada because of you guys, or because we wanted you to have a better life. So we know that, that there was a sacrifice by our family. So we have to, we kind of owe it to our family to show up, which is not healthy. I know that. But it is in all of us. And that's why some of us struggle with some of that stuff is because there is so much pressure on us to become doctors, to become surgeons, to become whatever it is. And I think Naz was talking about it in the episode that she was here of like trying to live up to that expectation can be extremely stressful sometimes. But we will always make sure we're trying to do the best. And again, that's why boundary setting is so difficult for us. Another thing that I felt myself struggle a lot with um, growing up and especially during, I'd say, like junior high, high school days is that like, I think if I go back there, people who knew me might think that I was unreliable. But it's not that I was unreliable. It's just I I couldn't make plans that were last minute or be available every weekend because my parents had expectations for my time too. And I know that sounds crazy and people are like, what do you mean your parents had expectations? But it's like um, if we had guests over or um, going to like my summers were taken up at Gurmit camp. So I didn't do anything over the summer. My grandma would take me to um, our Gurdwara or temple and I would actually attend Gurmit camp for two months in the summer for 12 years with me and my sister. And we would and wake up at four in the morning, go to the temple and be there till 8 p.m. And that was my time commitment. So if someone was trying to make plans with me in the summer, I was always like, oh, I can't. And I almost felt like I had to lie about it because I know I was going to be judged because if I did, I did say, oh, I can't. I have so and so today. Well, just tell them you can't go. I don't have that option (laughs) to tell them I can't go. And immigrant children usually don't have the option to say no to their family, right? Because again, it's about keeping the peace. If you speak back to your parents, in a lot of cultures and a lot of immigrant families, that's seen as disrespect. So you don't disrespect your family because then there will be consequences for that. So I think if you have a friend who is like a first generation here and 
they're unreliable, they always cancel last minute. It could just be that they don't have an excuse to like flake because they don't want to tell you the real reason of like, hey, I'm 31 and my parents don't want me to do X, Y, and Z. That could be what it is. So it's not that they're unreliable. It's just that our parents and our family have expectations for our time as well, which sucks, but it is what it is. And it's something that people now are becoming better at like setting those expectations and those boundaries for themselves. I'm going to keep going back to that. But again, it's something that we would wish that people would be more understanding and empathetic towards. A lot of immigrant children, and I think a lot of people in general, but especially immigrant children, um, they seem confident. They seem that they know what's going on. They seem that they have a good sense of self. But it's often that they're constantly working at feeling comfortable in their own skin. Because beauty standards between the culture here and beauty standards back home are very different. One of the biggest ones is the color of our skin. We, I've have, I have so many friends who are um, Caucasian that look at me and go, man, I wish I could get your tan. Meanwhile, I'm out here putting six layers of sunscreen on because my family's telling me a dark girl is not beautiful or someone who has darker skin complexion is not beautiful. So we're constantly like in this weird gap of like the beauty standards are so different like here in the western society now we love curvier girls or you know girls with a big butt girls with big boobs in in india it's like they want stick skinny like they they want no meat they want nothing you know what i mean so the beauty standards are so different so you're constantly uncomfortable in your own body also because if you look at the images on any kind of tv commercial and not any i think we're getting better at it now but growing up it was all white people the dolls were all white um if i wanted to go buy a barbie we didn't even have the brown barbies i remember getting a jasmine barbie and she was white Jasmine was not white. And also, I remember someone telling me, actually, and this is like when I was little, and this just came back to me now, is um, I said that my favorite princess was Jasmine, and the girl goes, oh, she has poop skin color. Bitch. (laughs) I don't have... But again, it's because back then, it wasn't normalized to, like, be, like, brown. I think it was more so all you saw on TV was predominantly white beauty so again i think we were getting a lot better at that and like having better beauty standards but not really because now we ha- we're in the age where it's like the other extreme and like a lot of plastic surgery and stuff so again it's something that even though we may appear confident and have all of our stuff together and really give off that image internally a lot of us are dealing with a lot of like depression anxiety um, and a lot of undiagnosed stuff because that's the other thing of like we're it's not normal for us to talk about you know our feelings our thoughts um different things going on at home our problems going on at home because we were always been taught that oh those people won't understand or you don't share your, that kind of information you should just keep it at home what happens in the house stays in the house so that's where you often have this thing where you have a different personality outside of the household and then you come home and you have a different personality because again you're constantly trying to like please everybody and you're like in this vicious cycle because again we aren't that's what we're taught right that's what we see at home and that's what we go out and do but it's not until we 
go to therapy, we get the treatment, we talk about some of this um, subconscious trauma or generational trauma that we have experienced within our households for us to kind of break out of these cycles and be confident in our skin. So just because an immigrant child looks confident doesn't mean that they actually have that confidence. It could actually just be a coping mechanism for them to put that facade up so that they can bottle up their emotions, which is terrible for their mental health another big thing that i think a lot of people don't even want to own up to is sometimes we keep information from our parents because it's just easier to keep information from our parents for example um when a lot of us are dating like we can't just bring our boyfriend girlfriend to parties or bring our boyfriend girlfriend to home like home and like hang out with our boyfriend in our house we're not we're not allowed to do that you want to die like that's literally what will happen is we will die like we will it's not gonna happen so you'll often hear like one of the classic brown girl lines is oh i'm going to the library but that's just code for i'm going to go see my boyfriend in secret that you have no idea exists because you know you wouldn't allow it you'd have like a big problem with it so i'm just gonna withhold this information from you and i hate to say it at 30 i still probably won't tell my parents about who i date because what's gonna happen is oh you're 30k you gotta marry him like tomorrow so it it's better to withhold information because a lot our parents don't understand what it is to date or like go on a date our parents even have a hard time saying the other person has a boyfriend or girlfriend like my (laughs) my mom often my sister's fiance she'll call him oh he's preet's friend and I'm like, mom, he's Preet's boyfriend. Like, you can say the word boyfriend. And she starts laughing because she gets so uncomfortable because she cannot say it. But again, it's foreign for them, right? So sometimes if we're telling you, like, if there's a 30-year-old immigrant child telling you, hey, I'm going to hide this from my families, please don't judge us. It just is because it's easier for us to do rather than get into the hard conversations. Because a lot of our immigrant parents are in that cycle and they're not willing to change we're kind of stuck in this generation of like a lot of us are understanding that some of the stuff is wrong and we are doing our own work to kind of change it for our future generation but our parents aren't there yet they're so stuck in their ways that it's easier for us just to hide it and move on than expose ourselves and uh, deal with the repercussions because it doesn't matter if you're 40 years old your parent your mom will not or dad will not be scared of slapping you if they think that you're wrong you know what I mean so it's one of those things of like if we choose to disclose information to our families great but if we choose to hide stuff from them there's probably a reason for it so don't judge us (laughs) and the final point I want to make before uh, moving into our segment of questions because I did open it up Um, my anon form and had some questions about this um is the biggest thing that i've always wished people understand that i have been taught to accept whatever i'm offered and not to ask for more like i'm always taught that you're given this you need to be grateful for it and you're not supposed to ask for more so advocating for something that I want or like saying that I need help with something is really, really difficult for me. And I think this is difficult for a lot of immigrant families because we're taught to work for what we have. You have to, this is what you have and you have to learn how to survive with that and live with that. So when I ask for help, that actually takes a lot of courage for me because I'm not used to doing it. I'm used to doing things on my own this is what I'm doing. So if I ask for help, that's a lot. 
it's a lot and it's not un- it's very uncommon that I will ask for that help and I know that's not a good thing but it's just almost how I'm conditioned to think about things so with that we're going to jump in to some of your guys's questions um I put it on my Instagram story and you guys were able to submit some of the questions that you guys wanted answered about immigration and hopefully like not immigration policies because I don't know anything about that but different questions about um what it is like being an immigrant child or the child of an immigrant here in Canada well the first question is really interesting it says growing up as the first generation here did you identify with the western culture more than you did with your south asian culture or did you ever feel like you did not belong in either This is a great question. Um, I would say growing up here, um, it's a constant battle, right? When I'm at home, it's like, oh, you're so engraged, or that means you're so like, you know, westernized or um, like white people or the people you go to school with. But when I would go to school, it was always like, oh, like you're packy or you're a different skin tone or, oh, you have a thick accent. I've been told I have an accent and I do know that some there's some words that I say incorrectly. Like, for example, vacuum. I don't call it a vacuum. I call it a vacuum. And pants, I don't say pants, I say pant because this is what I was taught and it's almost like unconsciously me doing this. But um, I think it's always been that you, you're you trying to find out where you fit, right? So um, even when I talk to people who are born in India, I tried dating somebody who was born in India and I thought I could make it work because um, I was always perceived like within my group of cousins as someone who's a a bit more desi or very close to like Punjabi roots like I love Punjabi music I love the culture I'm like immersed in it and I have a lot of knowledge about it um, and I did a lot of like trying to learn about it but when I dated somebody who was actually from India I realized that I'm not that Indian like I'm not that Punjabi that I could fit into that culture um there's so many differences so it was always like this constant battle of like where do I belong so um it's something that you do struggle with because you don't know like you come home and you're told that you're white and then you go to school and you're told that you're brown and it's like but wait what am I so it is it does cause a lot of confusion so um, I'd like to say I'm a mix of both. Um, and now that I'm older, I understand that there's some things that I value about the Western culture and some things I value about the, the South Asian culture or the Punjabi culture. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really complicated place to be in. And I can't say that I ever really fit in or found my mold of people. Um, even in junior high, I mostly had a lot of white people that went to school with me. And then I didn't even have classes with like, more Punjabi people until um, I reached high school and that was completely different because then you segregate all the Punjabi kids hang out with Punjabi kids but the Punjabi kids who are from like actual India hang out at a different corner so yeah it's always been um, it's like an identity crisis right you don't know where you fit in but yeah it's true it's kind of yeah I don't know I don't know where I really saw myself but I'd say it was one of those confusion things of like trying to figure out where you really fit in. The next question I got is, why do you think brown people are so hesitant to getting therapy or going to therapy? This is a really loaded question, but I'll try to kind of dig into it. So it has a lot of factors. Um, I think it's the biggest thing is that many of us weren't taught what mental health is. 
If you try to talk to somebody who's from India and you say, oh, how's your mental health? They, they'll probably look at you like a deer caught in headlights. Like, what do you mean mental health? So it's, it's, there's just like a cultural stigma of mental health care, therapy, self-advocacy. We're, we've all, we've been taught and learned to be silent. We learn to be comfortable with like shame, guilt, these bad experiences and there's like a like lack of psychoeducation and emotional expressions so this learned inability to communicate our needs holds us back from considering therapy as an option because it's like why why do you need therapy or fine suck it up go on to the next thing it's just like lack and that's why there's so many other issues within our community and that's one of the biggest reasons i started this podcast is because i wanted to shed light on this and try to get you guys to start these conversations within your own homes and your own households because it is important for us to have we have so much trauma in our history just our generational trauma that we have where it comes from you know the separation um when India became a separate state and many Sikhs were actually left without anywhere to go because Punjab was divided between Pakistan and India. So people had to pack up their stuff and just like move. And like no one talked about that or like even 1984, our families lived through 1984. Nobody talks about problems, right? And then even like bring it to your own houses of like how much other stuff does this lack of wanting to open up lead to? Alcoholism so big in our community drugs and other addictions so big in our community um one of my experiences with mental health in india in particular is i went to somebody's house and she was on she was actually um had some sort of diagnosis nobody knew what it was but they would just lock her in a room in the house because they didn't want her to go out because she would get um seizures so and then so she was cognitively delayed. Obviously, I know this because I'm in the field, but they just thought, oh, she just gets hyper. She's fine. We're just going to lock her in the room because it's like if we just hide this, it doesn't exist. So we are t- we are almost programmed and conditioned to just fix it and move on, um, whereas we don't really feel comfortable seeking that help and support. Um, so I'm hoping that us as this generation, since we're having more of these conversations, we're able to recognize, um, reflect, and then influence the decision that we make moving forward of putting a priority on mental health and really educating our future generation about it. So that's one of the biggest things that um, I'm passionate about for this. But that was a really good question. The next question isn't even related to this topic. Uh, this is the last question. It says, yo, when is your dating podcast coming out? I want to hear more juice and dirt. <laughs> I was supposed to record the dating podcast uh, last week. I'm just having a lack of um, participation from men who want to kind of share their experience. I did have someone lined up and they couldn't make it. Um, but I am working on it. If you guys... If anybody wants to be on the pod, let me know. I'll totally take you guys on. Um, but yeah, I'm lo- looking forward to Because I do want... I think for this pod, I also wanted to learn for myself. So I do want to have this conversation with a guy. I just have to convince... Maybe I'll have to get Amin on it. But I know Amin has already said that he doesn't have much experience with that. So um, it's coming. Stay tuned. We have a lot of really cool things coming up in September. So I'm really excited for it. And hopefully that dating one would be another one. But please, please submit more like this. Because I really want to hear from you guys about what is it that you guys want me to talk about. This really is a podcast for us all to learn. So I just don't want to come here and preach 
my shit. Like, I want you guys to tell me what you want to hear from me and so I can do my research and get the appropriate people on. Um, next week, I will have a co-host um, and we will be back for that episode. But yeah, that's all for today's episode. Um, again, please like, comment, share, subscribe. Uh, share this with everybody you know or anybody you think that could relate to this. And again, if you have any comments, um, questions, questions or like even topics that you want me to kind of uncover please submit it in the um, anonymous submission forum or just send me a message on my instagram the handle for that is that's so neat um and yeah we will see you all next week with another fun topic i hope you enjoyed have a beautiful week bye